You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hey, everyone. You are listening to another episode of the All Things Private Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cassell, joined today by the founder of Mentaya, Christine Lee. She is out in San Francisco and a used to be working in the Google tech space and develop some really cool software to help mental health professionals and mental health business owners. And today we are going to talk about entrepreneurship. We are going to talk about how to use technology and social media to really optimize your practices and your businesses and whatever the hell else comes up. So Christine, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, Patrick. I'm excited to be here. So we met on Friday um, because we were just doing a quick talk about some opportunities next year. And I was really interested in your story. You mentioned you used to work for Google and you worked in tech and you found yourself being really pulled towards the mental health space. And because a lot of our listeners are in the mental health space, I'd say the majority as entrepreneurs, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and your story. Yeah, that's a great question. So I grew up in the Bay Area. I Unfortunately, I went to high school with a lot of mental health issues. And so I learned at a young age the importance that mental health would have on people's lives. And so I think that made a really big impact on my life. I ended up just academic and career-wise. I was always a huge math nerd. And so I ended up studying computer science at Princeton. And we had what's called a senior thesis requirement in, at my school. And I actually did mine on the intersection of using computer science to try to work with therapists in private practice to improve patient outcomes in psychotherapy. And so I've been interested in mental health for a while. I ended up joining Google as a product manager and did that for several years. Had a really good time. I think I'm sure you've you know watched some of the movies about Google and things like that. But everyone was really warm and welcoming. And I think it was a great place to start my career and build up a lot of skill sets. But I think ultimately when COVID hit, I started thinking more and reflecting on, you know, how do I actually want to spend my time? I want to work on something that I really care about. I've considered becoming a therapist at some point. And I think that's something that I still am potentially interested in later on. But I wanted to first see if there was anything I could do to leverage the, you know, skill set that I I uh, built up at Google to make a difference in the mental health care space. And specifically, because I had talked to a lot of therapists back in college when I was doing my senior thesis, I really care about making mental health care more accessible. But one thing that is really important to me is to take the provider and therapist side into account and make sure that we are getting therapists compensated fairly and not doing making mental health care accessible at the expense of therapists, but instead empowering them to get paid really well so that we encourage more mental health professionals into this space and kind of create a win-win solution. 
uh, on both sides. And so that's sort of how I got into the idea of Entaya around using out-of-network benefits to help therapists still make their full fee and get more private pay clients by helping their clients actually save money on therapy. I love that. It sounds like a cool way to journey into the space. And I think a lot of us are drawn to the mental health space because we've had our own mental health challenges at some point in time. And I think a lot of therapists are in the therapist profession because of that. And we see a lot of like-minded humans enter the mental health space as um, therapists and then become private practice owners and then entrepreneurs. A lot of therapists will say, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm just a small business owner. And it's like, well, you created your own business, so you're kind of an entrepreneur. But um, I do think that the profession culturally really struggles with the mentality around uh, making money, uh, supporting themselves. And I think a lot of our profession is honestly built on feeling like I have to give it all away. Like my payment is almost the work that I do and the growth that my clients have. And in theory, like that's lovely. And that makes for like a great fucking Hallmark movie. But ultimately, in reality, you cannot pay your bills that way. And we know that because of COVID and life stress and just just the state of the world, that the increasing number of therapists who are feeling too burnt out to continue to practice continues to go up. And that is sad to me because it's such an important profession. But just like teachers who feel too burnt out to continue to show up to their classrooms or any other profession who feels underappreciated, underpaid, like I have to do more with less, that's therapists in a nutshell. And we are kind of conditioned from grad school on to believe like you don't get into this field to make money. Um, That's unethical. It's greedy. You're doing things that like exploit your clients and we can go down a long, long list. But in reality, you can certainly know how to respond to that. You can make really good money and you can support your clients and both can be true. Yeah, I think that's something that I was pretty surprised by when I started working this space, because from my perspective, I'm thinking like I've been to therapy before. It's been super helpful for me personally. And I've been surprised that to hear, I guess, first of all, how little therapists are getting paid if they, you know, work with insurance companies or just in general. And I think secondly, almost the guilt that was felt. I kind of assumed that it was more of a, you know, the system was annoying and like, this sucks. But it's been surprising to hear how therapists almost feel guilty for wanting to get paid more and wanting to get paid enough to sustain, you know, their lifestyle, especially in a lot of areas. I'm from San Francisco. And so in this area, the cost of living is really high. And it sounds like a lot of money if, you know, your private pay, you're charging like $200 a session, $250. But as I dug into the space further, you know, all these things that I didn't realize, student loans, You have to pay for supervision, the whole process of becoming a therapist, running your own business and all the business expenses that come with it that I think a lot of clients don't really see. They just think, oh, wow, this is kind of, you know, a lot of money. And the reason behind that is because, you know, therapists don't seem to get paid super well by insurance versus you go to any other, you know, your GCP or gynecologist or whatever it is, 
insurance pays for a big chunk of it. And so that's what I think there's a disconnect between how clients view of, oh, wow, it's kind of expensive versus the reality of ultimately the therapist isn't actually taking as much home in terms of the total amount of money as people think. So that's something I thought was really interesting to find out. Yeah, you make a lot of good points. And yeah, the system is annoying and it does suck to deal with. Like that's definitely a factor. But there's just a lot of guilt and shame embedded in the culture when it comes to talking about money in in mental health spaces. And I get it. Like as a mental health professional, you have a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of power dynamic there that is unfortunately inequitable. And people are struggling when they come to you. So you feel this this almost like I, responsibility to have to give more of yourself away because you're holding space for all of these people and you're absorbing constantly. And it's just the, the nature of the business where it's like, well, this is something that you do and it's a passion project and passion kind of drives the career path. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Again, like it's good to be passionate about the work that you do, but it is also a like, bullet train towards burnout because you're not taking care of your own needs if you're subsidizing everybody else's. And I've had so many people on this podcast who started out with that mentality, who've grown into different spaces. And the reality is there's so many ways to create accessibility and equitable care that don't simply exist in the therapy room. And that could be like podcasting, that could be workbooks, that can be donating money and and to charities in your area like there are so many ways to balance the scales for those of you who really struggle with the mentality that you deserve to be paid well because i know we live in a capitalist society and i know it's unfair but if you are operating a small business and you are taking fee for payment you are a business owner yeah. and i just see so many people try so hard to like flex as many rates as possible, work more hours, work more hours to accommodate. And then all of a sudden you've recreated your agency job environment and you're really miserable. And you're like, I'm going to go back to bartending because this is fucking terrible. And it just doesn't have to be that way. And I think that it's nice to know that there are platforms that exist that allow for not only the client to save money in the therapeutic process, but for the therapist to get paid well. Because if both of those things can exist, then you can have more therapists in the space, healthier therapists in the space, therapists who actually believe that they can take a vacation, who can afford to take a vacation, who can afford to buy a home. Like There are so many things that our profession limits us from doing, but honestly, we stand in our own way a lot of the time. And all of these self-limiting beliefs that exist really start to grow on it, on themselves. And then it becomes this almost like, internal war that happens in the profession where it's like private pay versus insurance and like you're being equitable you're not you're being greedy you're not and like all of this shit and in reality it's like y'all you can get paid you can be successful you can pay off your student loan debt without being stressed all the time and your clients can feel less stressed too because you can show up with your needs met and i think that we often lose sight of that like if we're constantly giving away more of ourselves than we're taking in it's really challenging to see 20 to 25 people a week and keep it all together. Yeah, this is something I've been thinking about a lot. And that was, you know, obviously a core part of why I started Mentaya. And I think that I understand why 
you know, someone would feel guilty about, obviously, if there's someone in need, if they can't afford your services, like you want to help. And I think this profession seems to attract people who are naturally very empathetic and want to help others. But at the same time, I think it's important to think about the fact that, sure, maybe in the short term, you're helping these people. But if you're burning out or more people are leaving the profession because it isn't sustainable, that's not good for anyone. And so that's something that I care a lot about, just helping make sure that the space is sustainable because everyone really, I think, I my personal belief is everyone benefits from therapy, no matter what your situation is, whether you're actively dealing with something really bad or almost in a, I wouldn't say preventative, but just I think having the space to reflect on things regularly is super helpful. And so the more we can help make sure that therapists are healthy and happy and being supported, I think that's only going to help, you know, that translate to their work with clients as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would agree 100%. And the healthier the therapist, the healthier the community, because there's a ripple effect that happens in therapy. You know, you can be working with someone who then goes and and stops generational trauma from, from recurring or continuing. You can help with the addiction community and you can, you can help with a significantly severe depressed community. Like there's so many things therapy offers. And I believe we all should participate in therapy to some degree or another. I've been in therapy in and out my entire life. And, you know, I, and I've gone through phases where like I could legitimately only afford my, my copay and phases now where I feel really lucky and fortunate to be able to pay my therapist out of pocket. And I remember she messaged me last year as we were going into 2023. And, you know, she, I think her rates were like 175 last year for Western North Carolina. It's, I'd say it's high, but like not out of, not out of uh, the range of possibilities. And I'm, I have two successful businesses. I feel fortunate for that. She messaged me and was like, Hey, I want to give you 90 days notice that I'm raising my rates from 175 to 185. And I was like, okay, like, it's fine. Do it today if you want. Like, I'm more than happy to pay you because like, you deserve it. Like, she's so good. And there's so much training that has gone on like behind the scenes. And I think that I just understand the investment too. And I think that it's so easy to almost lose sight of her how important these relationships are. and. You mentioned, you know, going to your PCP or your gynecologist and using your insurance and they pay a significant percentage. We lose sight over the fact that a lot of insurance companies don't even pay for mental health benefits. Like they don't even cover anything. And if they do, it's at a full high deductible and the client is paying out of pocket anyway. I'd rather just scrap the insurance piece because honestly, if we have all of these plans that do nothing for you, what is really the point of maintaining them? Yeah, that's actually interesting that you bring that up because I think that is that is a perception so many people have with insurance. And what I found out actually, and sort of what Mentaya helps is people don't realize that they have out-of-network benefits. I think it's over 50% of people with insurance plans have either PPO plans or even if it's a high deductible plan, they have what's called out-of-network benefits where if you meet... As, as a client, if you meet your out-of-network deductible, which is frequently a combination of mental health and other medical needs, and so it's usually joined, not always, but usually, and let's say your out-of-network deductible is $1,000. You're like, wow, that's a lot to me. Like, I might as well pay cash. 
But what people don't realize is you can be paying cash, you know, the 175 or 200 per session. You meet your deductible in like five or so sessions, and then you can actually start getting reimbursed anywhere from, you know, 50 to 80 percent, depends on your specifics of the insurance, but up to 80 percent. We've even seen something as high as 90 percent of your money back. So the therapist is still getting paid their full fee. But as a client, you're actually able to bring your costs essentially closer down to a copay, even with out of network, even if your therapist is out of network and does not take insurance, which I don't think most people know about. And I know that a lot of therapists are like, you know, I can give you a super bill. You have to call your insurance. I don't really understand. Uh, or I know you, I don't really know how to deal with this, but yeah, I can figure it out yourself, which I totally understand because as a therapist, you are running your own business. You have so many things to take care of. The last thing you want to do is like, hey, I'm happy to call insurance companies for you and spend an hour on the phone on hold, et cetera. And so then the onus is put on the on the clients. But the, the clients, think about the average person who's going to therapy. You're not going to be like, oh, yeah, let me go call my insurance company and be put on hold and like try to get my money back. It's really confusing. For most people it's designed to be confusing that's the thing it's, that people don't understand like yeah. what you're highlighting is like if most people have out of network benefits but they don't know this or don't even know what out of benefit out of network benefits mean mm-hmm. it's because you're it's designed to be a system that really isn't helpful for you so if you have to go through a million hoops to figure that out why would i go through all the trouble or energy to do so Exactly. And I think most people's perception, I've talked to a lot of my friends about this who are in therapy and they're like, I can get money back. Like, oh, I tried it. Like, I think I submitted a super bill, but then insurance had some, there's some issue. And then I called them. I didn't understand it. And then I gave up on it. So I was like, this is not worth the hassle because I think people, one, don't know how much they can get back. So they assume like, oh, there's no way insurance is going to reimburse it. And like, they've tried it maybe. And then insurance will reject it because of course, as an average consumer, like you have no idea how any of this works. You don't know how to fight for your rights. And you just kind of accept the fact that, you know, they're going to reject it because some code thing was wrong. And so that's something that we basically help take care of at Mentaya. And people love it because as a therapist, you're shielded from dealing with insurance. And as an end consumer client, you're just like going to therapy. These claims are getting automatically submitted. You're just getting money back. You have no idea how, but you're just like, great, just got to check in the mail or just got to direct deposit into my bank account. And people are saving thousands. People are either people who are going through this process are saving thousands of dollars per year on therapy. And people who are not are potentially losing out on those thousands of dollars or they just stop therapy because they're like, this is getting too expensive. I can't afford it. And so either way you cut it, it's something that it's just this almost missed opportunity that people don't realize that they have. Yeah, there's a lot of these um, missed opportunities in the mental health space that a lot of people don't realize exist, whether they can make your clinical practice easier or your day to day easier as the client or, you know, just allowing for both of you to be winning in this situation. Like I get to continue to see my therapist. I get to get reimbursed. They get paid. Everyone's winning here. The only people who really aren't winning are the insurance companies. And who the hell cares about that? Like, if anyone's going to subsidize therapy, it should be the companies that are making billions of dollars every year off of selling shitty insurance plans. So, like, I'm all about that. But in reality, it's just a matter of the lack of knowledge, time, understanding, right? Like, you mentioned it. 
most people who are running their own business, especially solo practitioners, do not have the time or the desire to get on the phone with the insurance company more than they have to. And then to say, okay, where do the super bills get sent? How do we submit them? Um, do they need to be signed you know, digitally or, or actually manually? Like all of the questions that need to be answered. And then, like you mentioned, putting it on the client and the client who doesn't have any understanding of the clinical medical billing world is not going to navigate that stress-free. And that in turn is just going to lead to missed opportunities for conversion for the therapist. And it's also going to lead to missed opportunities for the client to receive good quality care. And ultimately what happens is like you said, client decides I can no longer do this. Therapist says, hey, you figure it out. I'm not going to deal with it. And then it just becomes a mess. And ultimately like what I see in my Facebook group a lot of the time about super bills, so much so that I had to make a like 30 point post about out of network, out of network reimbursement super bills is like the lack of understanding of what a super bill even is, where it goes, how it's coded, like all the things. So this process is designed to be confusing. It is not designed to be efficient and easy. And even myself, as a person who owns a group practice, who sees a therapist who doesn't take insurance, who submits my own super bills, they make it very challenging. Like they'll send a letter back without the payment and just be like, uh, applied to deductible, I'll have to call. I don't even have a deductible. Where is this money going? And it's always like, you're going from one department to another, to another, to another. And at the end of the day, you're just like, yep, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. I give up. Totally. And I think to your, first of all, that is not an uncommon experience that you described. That's almost everyone's experience that I've talked to, at least out of my friends that I've chatted with about this. But to your earlier point about, you know, obviously, especially solo practitioners are like, I don't have time to deal with this stuff. I think it's something, I mean, that's why there are services like ours that help with this. And I think something that I've noticed and is really interesting is that a lot of therapists are really focused on, I need to get, you know, are there therapist directories? I need to get my name out there. I need to get referrals for clients. And so if you think about sort of a marketing funnel, the first step is top of funnel. You want to get as many people to go to your profile or learn about you as possible. So that's sort of the top of funnel. But then the next step is, let's say you get, you know, a thousand visits to your website every month. All these people are interested in potentially working with you. And it's like, how do you actually convert? those people. Because if you, doesn't matter how many people you get onto your website who hear about you, if they're not, if they see your website or if they see, I don't take insurance or like I, whatever Super Bowl stuff. And they're like, I don't really understand this. I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter how well you do that part. You have to be able to actually convert the clients. And so that's something, for example, that we have an instant benefits calculator where you can put it on your website and in lieu of calling insurance companies for your client being like, I'll do this for you. You can just be like, use this automated service and check what your out-of-network benefits are. And people are surprised. We've gotten so many emails from clients being like, I had no idea I had these benefits. Like, this is awesome. Thank you so much for this. And so then you're converting clients that you otherwise may not be converting or clients who might be on the fence about it. And then when it comes to actually, okay, great, I have these out-of-network benefits. How do I actually use them? I mean, sending them a super bill is one option. If they can figure it out, they're like, oh, I'm able to figure it out, whatnot. But another option is to use a service like Mentaya, where we take care of submitting a claim. If it gets denied for whatever reason, we take care of all of that. Otherwise, it's on your client to do, and they might not do it. They might even, they might not understand how to do it. They might forget to submit it, and then it's too late. 
they might have a Super Bowl rejected and they go back to you and they're like, hey, insurance is asking for some code. And you're like, what does that mean? Now, all of a sudden you're involved. And so to your point, insurance companies definitely make it difficult. And even all the different Super Bowl templates, like different insurance companies have different requirements. And then now you have to adjust your Super Bowl to meet those requirements. And the whole process is really complicated. So I understand why people currently aren't really doing it. But that's sort of what we want to do to, to help in this space to make sure that you're getting paid your full fee still after recession, but your clients are getting reimbursed so that they can, you know, continue to reinvest the money into therapy for as long as they need. I love that. And for the clinicians who are getting their full fee, you can then reinvest that money into your marketing, into your, if you want to hire an admin support, if you want to work on donating money to charitable causes in your area. Like that's the way that you can start to really create more accessibility to you as well. So I think, again, it's a win-win. But something you mentioned that is really important. Well, two things. Um, my brain is diverging in different directions. One is the Super Bowl thing. Like when you say different templates, different insurance companies want different things. I have so many therapists who are like, I'm just not doing it. Like I'm not dealing with the insurance. So I'm not doing Super Bills. That is a barrier to treatment if you're unwilling to provide super bills. So I think that because of the complication and the confusion and how convoluted a process it is for people to just say, I'm not doing it, that's not an answer. Like that does not help the client and that's not helping you because ultimately what's going to happen is the client's going to find a therapist who is willing to send out that template. Um, and the number two thing is like the funnel system that you mentioned when we're talking about marketing or any business uh, strategy in terms of how to retain and attract clients. We're talking about like really easy barriers to treatment and conversion here. And that goes with not just like having something like the calculator built in and embedded to easily access so that the client can immediately see and then say, oh, I can call this person because like I can get this sorted out for myself. But there are other barriers to treatment that are so simple, like having calls to action on your website, like having good ways for clients to contact you. I, I audit so many websites and I'm like, how would I contact you if I wanted to become a client? I don't see a form. I don't see a button. I don't see a call button. Like, it's like, oh yeah, it's down at the bottom under the footer under my address. I'm like, what the fuck? Like most people spend three to five seconds before they decide if I want to read more or contact. So like, accessibility, making it easier, removing the barriers for people to contact you and create and start treatment. Super, super important. And I think a lot of that stuff also gets overlooked. And we can use technology to our advantages here. Yeah, that is a really good point. I mean, I've looked for my own therapist before and I'm like, oh gosh, I have to go find their email somewhere on their website because they don't have a contact form where there's no, sometimes therapists have like this schedule now button. And I love that because I'm like, great, I'll just schedule it now instead of like a back and forth. And they email me maybe. I mean, I might like not see the email for a few days. And then I might just turn because it's like, it takes too long to get that versus this instant. Just let me book a call now. Let me see my benefits now. Everyone, especially in this day and age, it's 2023. People want things instantly. And oh, this even gets to the point of, I think it's really important to have a website as a therapist, just a prep online presence. Because the first thing I do when I find someone, whether it's on, you know, Psychology Today, Therapy, any of these directories, the first thing I do is I Google them. And I'm like, what does their website say? What does it look like? And I think that's something that almost feels like a bare minimum to have nowadays, because it just makes you so much more competitive 
than people who don't have a website. Then you're like, I don't really know anything about them. Like, I don't know if I'm really going to reach out. So that's something that I think is really important as well. It's really important. I mean, I think in this day and age of psychotherapy, when we're talking about so many people going virtual, when we're talking so many people moving and, and working across state lines, like a website is a glimpse. It's like your online real estate, essentially. Like it gives a good understanding of who you are as a person and a clinician. And it's also a reputability thing. And I could have a whole podcast episode and I have about therapist websites and the struggles that I see. But I think at least having a website is so crucial because you need a landing page for people to go to. You need a place for people to be directed. And if you're just simply relying on like Psych Today, there's like a 360 character limitation. You're not going to get everything out on, on that page. And then I'll see therapists who are like, I work with kids, adults, teens, uh, ages six to 90 and these issues and this issue and this issue. And it's like, okay, we need, we need a website. Like we need services pages. We need easy contact forms. We need buttons that people can click on their phones to call you or text you. Like it's really important and it just reduces the barriers. And it also just allows for more bookings to come in. And it's just a simple fix that is so easily navigated. But Again, and I've talked about this a lot on this podcast, I would guesstimate that 99% of mental health professionals do not have any sort of business training or expertise. So a lot of this is flying blind. And a lot of this is just trying to figure it out as you go because you're stressed and you're overwhelmed and you're like, I don't know how to deal with the insurance. I don't even know how to get a contract loaded. I don't know how to build a website. Like, I don't know what a HIPAA compliant phone means. Like, all of the things. So if you really want to focus on helping people and just showing up for your clients and taking care of them and yourself, reducing barriers, uh, increasing accessibility through just easy fixes and utilizing platforms like Christine is talking about, because ultimately it is going to make your life so much easier. And it is also going to make your clients' lives easier. And that for me feels like a win-win all around. Completely. And I think you've mentioned, you've basically alluded at just barriers and friction and something that I've actually learned as my, in my time as a product manager at Google, convert, like when you track, you have to track kind of conversions at every step. I'm not saying you have to set up this whole thing to track everything, but every piece of the, every added friction is going to make a huge difference. I don't remember the exact stats, but it's something crazy. Like every piece of friction you add, add like a at everything you add, there's a 50% additional chance that someone churns or just doesn't complete the thing. Whether it's, you don't have a website, you know, some percentage of people are just not going to want to see you. You have a website, but you, you know, don't seem, your rate seems a little higher, then that's going to just immediately turn off most people versus having, whether it's an instant benefits calculator or something, instead of having to call you, instead of having to, you know, fill out a form and then you get back to them over email, like being able to book something immediately, even with Superbill, like being able to just say like, you don't have to really do anything for it. You know, Mentaya or, or whatever has, has got it for you. That also helps. So at every point, just think about all the pieces of friction that it takes to get someone to sign up for therapy. They have to first, you know, get to the point where they tell themselves, okay, I should like find a therapist. They have to actually be able to find you. Once they find you, they have to feel like you're a good fit. The rate is a good fit. 
And then once they start, they have to feel like it's worth the amount that they're paying. And so all these are just the different points of friction in which people can potentially turn off. So that's something to just think about as well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. That includes Google My Business accounts being linked to your web domains. That includes like having clickable buttons. That includes making sure all the links work. That includes making like, I just think about each additional hoop, like you're mentioning, like being an additional reason to say, I'm not going to call you or I'm not going to contact you or I'm just not going to start a therapy because this is too freaking hard for me to navigate. The easier you can make it for your clients to access you, the more likely you are going to get these calls. You're going to get these inquiries. You're going to get these requests. We changed our verbiage on our, our website to say like, because we work with a lot of young adults and who the hell likes calling people these days. So like we have clickable buttons everywhere that say call or text today to start your therapy journey. And like, it's amazing how many text messages we receive on a daily basis from people who are like, hey, um, want to set up my consultation? And then we get into like, you know, how to start des deciding if it's a good fit. But like, it's just another way to reduce a barrier. And that's what we're trying to do here is just reduce barriers, ensure that therapists get paid well, ensure that clients are taken care of. This is how everyone wins. And I think this is really important. So Christine, congrats on what you've created and what you've continue to kind of develop over time. It's, it's obviously a passion project. It's obviously something near and dear to your heart. I like meeting people who are doing things like this for the therapist community who are actually invested in the therapist community because you do get a lot of tech companies who do not give a shit about the client outcomes or the therapist outcomes. So it is really nice to see and it's a breath of fresh air. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much, Patrick. It was great coming on this podcast and, and talking to everyone about this. So thank you. You're welcome. And please tell the audience where they can find more of what you've got going on. Yeah. So you can learn more at mentaya.com. It's M-E-N-T-A-Y-A. -E so think like mental, mental health, Mentaya. And we actually have a promo code for all of the listeners. If you just say, if you just type in Patrick, when you sign up, you can try our platform out for free. You can try our instant benefits calculator and our claim submission tool. I would encourage everyone to at least just try it out, see if it's useful for your practice. And then if it is, you can continue using it. If it's not, it's risk-free. So awesome. all of that information will be in the show notes so that you all have easy access to Mentaya. And remember, you use code, promo code Patrick, you get a free 30-day trial. This way, you can just figure out if this is going to increase your client calls, your private pay caseload and just make both of your lives easier. So thanks again for coming on and making the time, Christine. It was really good to meet you and looking forward to airing this episode in a few weeks. All right. Thank you. And to everyone listening to the All Things Private Practice podcast, new episodes are out every single Friday on all major platforms and YouTube. Like, download, subscribe, and share. Doubt yourself. Do it anyway. See you next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.